0: This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthWorkerCollective.com.
1: Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I am Jeremy Steele, and I'm here with fantastic youth workers from all over the place. And we're going to talk about something that I'm not sure I've ever I've ever actually engaged in a conversation with youth workers about, but it is so important. And how are we intentional about doing ministry that is uh, reaching introverts? So uh, before we go down that trail, uh, we're going to kind of just introduce ourselves to you. Tell us who you are. Are, where you're serving, and we'll start with you,
2: Lee. Hey, I'm Lee Barnes. Um, I'm with the um, conference
3: staff at the North Carolina Conference, the United
2: Methodist Church, and um, I'm the facilitator of district youth coordinators. Scott. I'm Scott Meyer. I'm the director of student ministries at McFarland Methodist Church in Norman, Oklahoma.
1: Mr. Wilterdink. Howdy. I'm Chris Wilterdink. <laughs> I'm coming from Nashville, Tennessee. In the Young People's Ministries Office at of Discipleship Ministry. When you live in Nashville, do you have to greet everyone uh, with howdy? Uh, yeah, it's part of moving here.
4: I had to sign a thing like <laughs> six years
2: ago. <laughs> All right, the other Chris. Hey, this is Chris Lynch. Uh, I serve the South Carolina Conference as the Director
3: of Ministries of the Young People. Paula? This is Paula Lopez, and I'm um, uh, Director of Next Gen Ministries for the Virginia Conference the United Methodist Church. Sam. This is Sam
2: Halverson. I'm on conference staff here in the North Church Conference. My title says nothing about youth ministry, so I'll just say that I am a resource person for youth and young adult <laughs> ministries in the conference. <laughs> How about that? Audra?
4: I'm Audrey Walsh Malvez. I am the director of adult ministry, which also the title says nothing to do with youth ministry, but I do work with our youth at Plymouth Park United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas.
1: Caroline, does your title say something about youth ministry?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It says something about the next generation. That
1: counts. That counts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that counts. My name's Caroline Hare and I work in Dustin, Florida, and I'm the next generation's pastor at Dustin United
1: Methodist. All right. So there's a book that if you have never read this book, it's brilliant. It's a book on introversion. It's called Quiet by Susan Kane. And in it she has this whole piece about church and religion and how very often it's built with a bias towards extroverts. Just real quick. Do you think that's true? Do you think we do things that are biased towards extroverts?
2: Oh, totally. Yep. 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 Absolutely. (laughs) Look at the way you program
4: a summer. (laughs)
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look at at what so many goals are for, or that are at least given to youth pastors about having these huge events with lots of people and lots of sound and lots of activities. (laughs) It, It took me a long time to realize that I had some youth that just. Hated going to (laughs) Mm those. That's the way. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Or how about the whole construct of the icebreaker? Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh
2: yeah.
4: The the touchy-feely game. So like Uh the human not stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. Let's be real. But let's be real here. I don't even think extroverts like icebreakers. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's right. i right. also point out, that's, uh, that's that's not exclusive to the church, right? Uh-huh. As far as I can see, anytime it's group activities, group activities tend to favor the extrovert. I mean, everybody's been in a classroom, and classrooms are no different as far as valuing participation. Anybody ever get points for participation or uh-huh. answering questions? Questions oh, yeah. Out loud during class. Yeah. That sort of thing.
1: yeah. I call it the loud idiot problem. That <laughs> if you are loud and domineering, <laughs> if you have those sort of extrovert tendencies, you can monopolize a classroom and a conversation and discussion, even though you never read, studied, thought before you open your mouth. That's one of the reasons I loved doing some of my coursework online because when it's in a discussion forum, that guy gets no responses <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or girl. Mm-hmm. It, could be, it could be a woman. So here's a question though, before we kind of go further to clarify. So for those people who are listening, introversion, it can be misunderstood sometimes as people who don't like to talk, don't like to be around people. And that's an unfortunately a biased view from an extroverted perspective, introverts, it's really a measure of energy, right? Do Does being around people, large groups of people, and especially having sort of those surface connections with, with large groups of people, do you get energy from that Or do you spend energy on that? So when I get done with being at church, I'm way off the edge of the scale on extroversion. And when I get done with church or whatever i am charged up i'm energized by that i'm filled by that my wife who's more of an introvert she needs a nap <laughs> after you know <laughs> yeah. saying hello to a thousand people the the difference is and she is really she's good at talking to people there's that piece and there's the other side of the introvert extrovert is how much <sighs> Thought is given before you externalize. Are you an external processor? Do you open your mouth and start talking right away? Or do you think, consider process internally and then express? And those two dynamics, the energy and the processing, really, I think, are something we need to think about when we're talking, when we're looking at how we do youth ministry and how we do ministry in general. But this podcast is about youth ministry. So how have you noticed the problem And what have you done maybe in your own context to fix that, to make the way that you're doing ministry not biased towards extroverts?
4: You know, we
0: offer small groups on Wednesday nights. Whenever you know we have our big youth gathering, but then we have before school and after school Bible studies that are geared more towards smaller groups, so that that way you know you're not in there with a hundred people or two hundred people and then expected to get in a small group, but you can just walk easily into Panera and you know there's only going to be five people there, you right. know. <laughs> right. Um, so that way, if that emotionally drains you or makes you have anxiety walking into a room full of people with all that. Uh, you know, like, okay, I I have a place I can go to. Also, I think it's being intentional with your small group leaders and making sure that either your small group leaders or you as the youth pastor is keeping an eye on those that maybe are introverts. Because I know like there's a couple girls that I specifically just go have coffee with every couple months just because Mm -hmm. I know that's the way that their personality is geared. And I'm like, I minister to them sometimes more one-on-one than I do lots of other kids. You know, um, just because I know that that's
3: what they need. I'd say also, I like the, the way that you help by defining what being an introvert is. One crucial sort of distinction that I've noticed is important in youth ministry and beyond is the distinction between an introvert and someone who's shy. Right. I've noticed that, I mean, even with my own kids, you know, I have three daughters and there's two of them where they're so different. One of them is an introvert who's not shy at all. Right, And one of them is an extrovert who actually is shy. And so mm-hmm. knowing what the difference is and then actually spending some time helping those students that are shy, because sh- shyness comes from insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you hope that you can work with students to help them grow out of being shy or any sort of insecurity. It's common that uh, introverts also happen to be shy, but those two are not the same thing. And so, you know, my... my introvert daughter has no problem walking up to a stranger and asking what her name is now does she gain mm-hmm. energy from being in a large room no and she sometimes would rather play on her own but my daughter who loves being around all kinds of people will take at least 15 minutes before she feels safe enough to strike up a conversation once she does though it energizes her and so recognizing that difference and then you know dealing with introverts differently than you would deal with someone who's simply shy is an important distinction yeah
2: yeah <laughs> I would say that you know thinking about when you ask a question whether it's in a large group setting or in a small group setting if, before you ask it even saying something about, hey, look, I'm gonna ask this question. I want you to I want you to not answer for a minute. And that's not gonna it doesn't that's not gonna, you know, hurt necessarily the processing of an extrovert because as soon as that minute's up, that extrovert's gonna do the group thing. <laughs> anyway, but it gives that extra time for the introvert to have some time to process that internal processing. That's the way we program we ask questions, I think, that can be a huge deal. But to an introvert, it's a lot that they at least think about, they get the time to, to process and think when they respond.
4: Yeah, I think that having different learning styles. Um, and so if you have opportunities to be kinesthetic and in individual or group. So when I specifically with our confirmation class, if I divide them into a group to do a something, I always give them the option to work by themselves. Mm-hmm. And because our, com- our confirmation class meets for several hours at a time, right? So give them, a you know, time to, to, if they need that time by themselves, then they can do that. And just kind of building that into the natural flow of teaching and lessons and how that works. Opportunities to write and reflect are really huge and I think are important even for my external processing self <laughs> hmm. kind of get that onto paper before reading it out loud so i i will break break things up and just say here's a piece of paper write down what you think or put marks on paper <laughs> sometimes drawing is easier
2: <laughs> right so. contemplative worship or prayer stations i've found to be really helpful especially mm-hmm. when in a large setting with worship or they might be moving around between them with huge groups but at the expectation totally is that they don't talk to each other. They don't interact with each other. It's just between them and God at the at the prayer station. I think being intentional uh, yeah, about well, how you recruit your leaders also. Um, oh, yeah. Don't look for your typical outgoing person. Go find some introverts that's going to give you a perspective, but also to be there for the kids. I think, too, it talks to, you know, another idea or, or thought process is how do we schedule like our, our retreats and that's sort of, you know, more often than not, retreats are, are over-programmed minute by minute and there's never any time for an introvert to be alone to gain that energy back so they go to the whole retreat and it's just a drain the entire time because it's always with people around them. There's never space for them to be
3: alone. An alternative thing here is so we're talking about corporate worship experience and large group things. But even in teaching settings, I like some of the material coming from Tim Elmore and Habitudes and looking at Generation Z stuff. And I think some of that applies. I found that with introverts, giving them content before a group meeting where you give them time to process stuff before they're ever in a discussion instead of presenting yeah. content and then expecting them to immediately react is helpful and helps kind of get the, the best participation in when you do need to interact in, in groups. So that's, that I've had some really good experiences with that, having kids that participate in discussions that typically don't participate simply because they've had enough time to work on it.
1: I like when I'm in a small group setting, I will generally find those internal processors. Pay attention. You'll go sometimes like a whole discussion without them saying anything. But what I try to do is wait to the last and try to give them the last word. Because normally they've been thinking they've been processing and it is right there at the end that, they're, that they've probably formed the thing that they wish they would say. And and sometimes because of personalities and just the like awkwardness of being a teen, like they, they don't say anything and then they, they are, they're on their way and I'm like, why didn't I say that at the end? So to try to open up the floor for them right there at the end and say, all right, Chris, what are you thinking? I know that you've been thinking about this the whole time. I could see your the gears turning. What did you think about all this? It's been super rewarding. And, you know, it ends up taking a kid who would often be thought of as the silent kid and transform their kind of perception of the group as, oh, wow, they're the deep thinker. Let's give the one thing that you think is the most difficult piece that you've seen kind of extroverts struggle with in a group setting that maybe youth workers need to be aware of and start thinking critically in their own setting? Because I'm an extrovert, one of the the things that I tend to do is if there's somebody who's quiet and standing off by themselves, I think that what will work for them is what would work for me or vice versa. And so I will tend to use my extrovert skills to try to to draw them out. And that's just silliness. And so I have to remind myself of just everything that everybody said. And for me to know my kids, to know the students that are there, and to make sure that I don't do what might work for me for them. Everything that's been said here has been
2: really, really good. What are those things that
1: I can do to help draw those kids into the group in a way that's going to make them feel like they're a part of the group? Well, it's good that we all have something to say about that. I do have the one thing that I've thought of, and, and I think that sometimes our illustrations that we give can be loaded with all sorts of negativity towards introverts or extroverts. The like classic youth ministry go-to example that, I hope I never have to hear again of the kids sitting by themselves in the lunchroom is like a perfect example of it, right? A student who is in an extroverted world having to talk all the time in the lunchroom might want to be by themselves. <laughs> like it's, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be by yourself. And it's also nothing wrong with paying attention to people who might be on the outside and including them. But if that's all you ever talk about, Right. It's finding people Uh by themselves and making sure they have people around them. That's not always what people want. So I, I appreciate everybody thinking about it. It seems like we, in many ministry circles, are weighted on the extrovert side. And so it's important for us all to pay attention to the people who are not like us. And that's why we do stuff like this, because you don't always think about this when you're by yourself trying to be a lone ranger in this. So whenever you get on line to work, we don't want you to feel like you've got to do it alone. That's why we've got your back with games, ideas, lessons, coaching. Uh, all of that is at youthworkercollective.com and more podcasts like this one at youthworkercollective.com slash podcast.